Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Today's guest is David Crone. He's the executive director of the Cerebral Palsy Association of Manitoba. We talk about cerebral palsy and how differently it can present in different individuals, the stigmas and difficulties surrounding folks living with disabilities, and David's continued advocacy work throughout his entire life. Please enjoy my conversation with David Crone. Thank you for listening to the Because and Effect podcast. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in our offices by David Crone. He's the Executive Director of the Cerebral Palsy Association of Manitoba. David, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for hauling it down to our offices and getting here. We were originally going to go to CGA and you, but we're ending up doing it in our studio, in our sort of DIY studio. So thank you for your patience and, oh, no and, and tolerance. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today, I hope. Okay. Um, but first off, I've been asking people in this newest season of the podcast, what's your story? Just to start okay. things off. what is How do you answer that question? Well, uh, it's, it's a pretty straightforward story. I'm 56 years old. I was born in Kenora. I was, my, my birth story is I was born on the May long weekend, Sunday of the May long weekend, and I was due the end of July. So I was a really, I weighed less than two pounds. Oh my gosh. And this was 1967 and a rural Ontario hospital. Whoa. And I was a really sick kid for the first six or eight months of my life. All in the hospital? Uh, yeah, kind of yeah. in and out. And, wow. and, uh, but, you know, I survived. I, I've thrived. Uh, but my, my diagnosis, I, I don't, um, don't mind telling people that because that's the first thing people ask me. Yeah. Uh, my diagnosis doesn't, doesn't make me who I am, but it, it kind of explains why I walk funny. Um, I have cerebral palsy. My official diagnosis is spastic diplegia. So that means my muscles are always raring to go in my legs. They don't mm. relax. I have wonderful muscle tone in my legs. Uh, most people who work out for a living would love my muscle tone. Um, but the problem is my muscles never relax. So mm. if you think about it as if you take a, an elastic band and stretch it to its natural length, and I'll touch more. That's kind of where my muscles are. And they don't At relax. all times? At all times. At, when you're yeah. trying to sleep too? Yeah. Okay. Like it doesn't hurt. Oh. It's just they're, they're just raring to go, right? Mm. That, the, so what is CP? And I'll tell you that because that will inform. Please. So cerebral palsy, it's, it's a lack of oxygen in the brain, whether it's in utero or at birth. And actually now today's technology, they can tell exactly when in utero the damage happened. Wow. So it's brain damage. <laughs> it's, you know, if you get in a car accident, it's a traumatic brain injury, right? So it just happened that I was born early. My lungs weren't very well developed and I couldn't, my body wasn't processing oxygen. So I had brain damage. So what does that mean? So it, there's, um, I'm missing the signal to tell my legs to relax mm. isn't getting being generated. Okay. Gotcha. The wiring's all there, but the, the part that generates that signal isn't there or it's been damaged. The, the, the thing about cerebral palsy is you're born with it. It, there's no cure for it, but it doesn't get any worse over time. Okay. Cause it's the damage has been done. So 3P is the only childhood uh, condition that it can affect any muscle in the body. Okay, so it can affect speech, swallowing, mm. talking, every muscle in your body, depending on where and how, how much the brain damage is. Right. And there's other, other symptoms that sometimes go along with CP, a lot of epilepsy and secondary folks. Um, have, can have a shorter lifespan because of those, but not CP itself. Um, one of my members, uh, she passed away about seven years ago now. She was 92 oh. with CP. Was born in 1923. Dad put her by the fire. To You know, like she was small. She survived. That was the diagnosis that, back then? Well, there was no diagnosis, oh, right? Right, right? You know, yeah. 
Um, so, you know, you can have a natural lifespan, mm. right? I probably won't because I don't exercise and I eat poorly, and but I don't smoke. So it all kind of balances out. Um, but so getting back to me, so my muscles are raring to go. Yeah. There, there are other parts, uh, they have other um, CP that your muscles never never contract they're like a noodle mm. right so it all depends on where and how that damage occurs um so it, it's quite a complex condition right um you generally get diagnosed at the age of two or three mm-hmm. uh, be when you uh, fail to hit certain milestones in birth and the child developmental clinic at the health sciences center and um the sky center does that diagnosis along with those doctors so that kind of tells you my story. Um, so I it was really tiny, got into Winnipeg, my, my, they put me, my mother, a nurse, and my grandfather's, uh, he liked New Yorkers, and they drove to Winnipeg with a police escort. They didn't even put me in an ambulance at the time. My grandfather hit a deer outside of Steinbach, and I spent the last few minutes in the back of a police car. <laughs> So oh at least goodness. that's what I've been told. What, whether a be- it's, what a beginning. Or it could just be a great story. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I went to regular elementary school, um, did well academically, did everything. I have a BA. So, it, you know, having CP doesn't necessarily affect intelligence or IQ. Mm-hmm. It can. It depends on where the brain damage happened and, and how. I've got one member who's going for his PhD, PhD and is brilliant. I've got others ones with masters, all different uh, diagnosis. So uh, CP is just one of my stories, one of my things. One of uh, the chapters. Exactly. So yeah. I started off. I I went to university. I went to the U of W, graduated with political science degree, and then I went and worked for uh, the. The, the city of Winnipeg at the Handy Transit, and I answered the phone and got yelled at. And, and what a uh, gig that is! Well, I, you know, but the the CP, I, it didn't bother me. I don't mm. take. I was picked on a lot as a kid, and I don't Thick take skin. it personally. Right. So, it it was actually a good job for me because I understood what the folk I was ant- talking to what they were going through. Mm-hmm. Yet when they got upset and swore and hung up and slammed the phone because their ride was late or they didn't get a ride or whatever, um, I got that too, right? So it was actually a good job for me. I was there nine years. I did everything from answering the phone to dispatching to scheduling, a little bit of everything. Very so, cool. Yeah. So the fact that every single case is probably a little bit different, presents different, and mm-hmm. all it, it, it raises the... Um, issue that I like I I, maybe just first of all I just want to acknowledge that like I'm a little uncomfortable I don't want to say the wrong word I don't know if disabled is you know like the the language is constantly evolving a little bit right right? Um, I have a couple family friends with with cerebral palsy and it they're they're both only physical as well but like it's just kind of a it's a hard thing to navigate in some situations so I just want to kind of pick your brain about the ever-evolving language verbiage that we use and just how that has changed like since since you were born right to now yeah and and how how we speak of things and and how right. has that evolved over the years and, and and is it still evolving it it's always going to evolve yeah. and it, it's also also a personal choice of the person who is receiving it right there's certain words i won't even say because i find them offensive but i have no problem with the word disability um yeah it it's a culture actually it's it's not who i am but it's part of my story like i said so you know what i say to to people when they ask that question i said well what how what how do you talk to your friend mm-hmm. right it doesn't matter if i have cp like you know there's a lot of invisible disabilities out there that you would never know right. and some of those are even tougher to deal with than cerebral palsy cuz Guess what? I get the benefit of the doubt when you see me walking down the hallway or down walk into the room. Good and bad, right? I get the barrier part of it, and I get the okay, <laughs> right? right? The benefit of the doubt. So I don't worry about that, but just you have to, when you're engaging with somebody, ask the question. 
And I had a therapist tell me in my 20s I had to own my CP and be proud of it. And I'm not proud that, um, you know, just embrace it, right? Like it's not going away right. <laughs> and I have to live with it. And I, I am CP proud that it, 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 af- it, it affects my everyday life, but it doesn't affect the way I live. I guess is the way I want to say that. Very well said. Yeah. Um, I was reading a little bit about it, so maybe pardon me if if the facts are wrong, but I yep. was also I was reading that it can be painful. That's why I thought maybe your the, legs were. The, pain- so it it can be. Yeah. Um, so like I said, my my muscles are like an elastic, right? So when I do exert, when I do different things, um, it's like pulling a muscle, right. <laughs> right? It doesn't take much for the muscles to go into spasm mm. or to do all that. There's a lot of drugs now that can help. Um, and everybody's case is different. Like I don't have very, like I know some of my members have so tight contractures, spasticity, mm. that, you know, they can't use their hands. They can't like, they, they don't sleep well because everything, well, try to sleep with yeah, a pulled muscle. Exactly. Right? So I can only speak to my spirit, my experience. I don't feel that, but on the other hand, there are others out there. However, they they do have baclofen, and it's an it's a you can take it orally, but they they have like a baclofen pump, and mm. it's kind of like a pacemaker where it shoots the uh, the medicine to take out the spasticity, just like a pacemaker, and it it just and good old Botox was actually developed for CP. Cool. Um, it actually kills the nerve endings so that the muscle then releases. Gotcha. Yeah. Fascinating. So, yeah. How have, how has medical science advanced even in the last 10 years? It, you know, is it exponential uh, or is it slowed down? Are we kind of plateaued? No, there's, there's a lot happening. Hmm. I don't know all the things that are happening right now, but all the surgeries I've had like 20, 23 surgeries, something like that growing up because that was the only treatment they had for it. So well, what, what they would do is they'd go in and release the muscles, like the, the tendons and all that, because the problem was my muscles weren't relaxing. Right. And but my bones were growing, mm. right? So the, you needed to give them the bone room to grow. Wow. But now they use Botox, Baclofen, and they can manage the spasticity better. So now they do the surgery, but they do it once. I always had to go in and do it every spring break because you're growing a little bit each year exactly right and uh (laughs) and half the surgeries that they did when i was growing up they found out they didn't work (laughs) so they have a thing called the gate lab where they can they literally and the, the gate lab was developed for cp but the gaming and movie industry took it over so that's how they they put electrodes all over your body and it's caption uh camera caption motion capture yeah, yeah that's that's what the gate lab and they did it to to track how a person walks through space with cerebral palsy okay. or move or all that mm-hmm. the movie industry and the gaming industry took it over because it's a wonderful technology but then they would do it before the surgery to and post surgery right? and just to see if it worked right <laughs> And what they found out that certain things that they did when I was growing up didn't work all that well. And they have better tools now. So as far as medical, I think the tools have gotten better. Technology is a big game changer uh, for folks that they don't have their own voice. Mm. We now use a cell phone or an iPad, talk to text, text Mm -hmm. to talk, right? Before it was a great big Dynavox thing that cost about $5,000, it was ugly, and it sat on, <laughs> on your wheelchair in front of you, and it put an automatic, you know, 24, uh, two-foot barrier between everybody in the world, right? Well, now everybody has an iPad, and, a, and so the technology is getting better, um, and science is getting better. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there enough research for CP? Probably not, but it's like anything over time, 
the treatments will get better. And especially brain-related things. Are That's so, right. We don't know that enough about the brain we to don't. begin with. So, you know, like I know there's a lot of research going in with Parkinson's mm-hmm. and a lot of with uh, Alzheimer and dementia. Well, they're all, once they capture that, then we'll take that data that you have and look at a CP brain, right? And because the, the damage with Alzheimer's later in life mm-hmm. when we're at birth. So, make, you know, I... I am always amazed at at the skill and the dedication of those folks that went to school for a very long time and understand the human body much better than I'll ever do. It's incredible. So when what what's the leap from poli sci to now executive director? Okay, so yeah. so yeah, no, that's a good question. So when I was looking for a job after university, uh, I went to Reaching Equality Employment Services. Okay, they're still around wonderful organization i joined their board um but the counselor said well dave you've got all this schooling but i i needed some experience so Mm. through a friend of my parents my mother uh she introduced me to laura schnellert the executive director of the cp association back in 92 and i went in and we chatted and i joined the board of the cp association way back at that point became president in 1999 and 2000, 2001, and then went and moved and worked with a company called Freedom Concepts. And I traveled all around the world um, selling bikes for adults and and kids with special needs. Custom-made, Custom, yeah. yeah, all built here in Winnipeg. And I did that for 12 years. And then Laura wanted to retire. I applied for her job, and that got me back into the ed position but i'd always been a part of the cp association so it was a natural fit bada bing and you're in let's talk a little bit about winnipeg and the experience of having a disability in this city um when we had the vote open conversation about portage Mm -hmm. and maine which we're doing this interview from uh there was a lot of conversation about how to cross a street and what it what it took for people of different um abilities um maybe i'll just ask you what's it like in winnipeg it it it's hopefully getting better. There, There is the Accessibility for Manitobans Act that was enacted in December of 2013. 10-year plan? Yes, and hmm. they're behind. The <laughs> government of Manitoba is behind. You don't say. Um, yeah, and the problem with it is it's, not, it's poorly resourced. Hmm. They don't have enough resources for organizations and community and municipality even to get the word out, mm. it's a law. Yeah, and so one of the problems is um, they they need enforcement. They're, they need the carrot and the stick for it to work, and it, it's a generational change, and it's not going to happen quickly. And we've all gone through the construction zones in Winnipeg, and I I must give the city of Winnipeg kudos. Of they've called the community in to review policy and they're slowly changing it but it's an attitudinal change too Mm. and it's how you change things slowly over time Um, i use the analogy of workplace health and safety back in the day there was no workplace health and safety committee we need an accessibility committee at every place of business and every organization so that when you're developing a new street when you're developing a new program you can get how how are we going to make this universally accessible Mm -hmm. and how are we going to design it so that when we have a complaint or we have a concern how do we deal with it in a timely manner Um, i don't expect any organization to understand disability because it's so unique for everybody but you have to be open to the question and you have to your default answer is yes we can do that and then figure out how you have to have the conversation (laughs) that's right and you can't just say no because you think it's going to cost a lot but getting back to accessibility in in winnipeg um there are problems sidewalks in the winter every every time i get called i do a media story on ice or snow buildup and that sort of thing construction zones I don't know about you, even when I'm driving, all of it's there. So signage needs to be better because if you're in a power chair zipping down the sidewalk, you go two thirds down the sidewalk and now you've got to go all the way back and try to do a new route find. Crossing Portage and Main, it 
stairs aren't an option, right? And having an elevator that might or might not work is not an option. What do you do when you're trying to go somewhere? You're, we try. We want to have people downtown. We want to build up that community, so it has to be accessible. Yeah. Um, buildings are something that lasts 100, 200 years old years. So if you build it right, it's accessible for everybody. So we're getting there. Or at least we're having the conversation. It's a generational change. But we just have to think to ourselves, how do, how do I need to do it a little bit better? So this leads me into cohabit because okay. I think it's exactly what we're talking about. It's designing things from the ground up to be, well, maybe just tell us what sure. cohabit is. So, so cohabit is an initiative of the Cerebral Palsy Association with this wonderful member and, and friend, so Margie Nelson started the Movement Center because her son has CP and she was looking for some intensive therapy. She found out about conductive education. She started it. So she retired from that and I invited her out for a beer and I said, hey Margie, now that you've retired, now what do you want to do? And we started talking about the needs of our members and our friends. And we wanted to build a place that got her son out of her basement but we didn't want to just stick him in a house by himself with some staff we want to build a community around it like you said from the ground up so that's a it's a hundred percent inclusive so cohabit is a housing initiative we're hoping that we can do it at the southlands property just north of the u of m uh, because then we're attached to the u of m mm. You're right at the blue line for rapid transit. You want to jump on a bus. You've got the river. You've got trees. You've got pathways. It's a wonderful-looking development coming down the pike. We want to have 100 units in one or some of those buildings so that our members can live a full life. Mm. Some are going to be uh, affordable rent. Some are going to be market rent. Some might even be a touch more to help pay for everything else. So, but we're also looking for those wraparound services too. So once I'm in this place, it's just not a place to live that I have support. It might be light housekeeping. We're planning on having a full-time chef so that people can eat well and eat together and, and be part of a community. A community. So um, we're calling it villagers, that everybody joins a village and we can all live together. But we're not also out in the middle of a field. We want to be part of a bigger community, and we are part of the community. There's over 200,000 Manitobans with a disability. We're here. We're not going anywhere. Um, so we want to be part of, uh, I call it a fraternity. Hmm. I want to make it a fraternity for our adult members so it's a fun place to go. They want to hang out there. And they can build lifelong friendships. Belong to something. Exactly. So how far along is like? Are you, well, are you still getting funding? Is we're, that... So we're, we're, we've, we've got a very generous uh, grant from the Winnipeg Foundation to help work out what the day of a villager looks like. Because mm. we need to know what our entry criteria is. Even more important, what's our exit criteria. And we have to figure out what that all costs. Because when you go to funders, they want to know what the plan is and how much does that cost. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If you don't do your research well... You've really got one shot to ask for it. Yeah. So you can't go back after and say, oh, we got the math wrong. Yeah. So we have a, an annual golf tournament to help support this. We will be starting a capital campaign to help build it. Um, it's a process. It's, you know, I, I wish I had a magic wand and I could just wave the wand and everybody would get together in a room and we'd all, you know, sing kumbaya <laughs> and, you know, the... But it will be built. I just can't tell you when. I'm probably thinking three to five years, but maybe sooner. There's actually a family friend, shout out to uh, Roberta, that told me about Cohabit maybe a couple months ago just because they're our mutual family friend that um, with CP. So it's been on my radar for a while, and oh, it good. just looks like, I mean, utopia might be too strong of a word, but it just looks like something that we really need. There's no harm in asking for a utopia or dreaming for it, right? And uh, we might not reach it, but we can approach perfection. And uh, there's no harm in asking for it. I think, too, after the pandemic, we kind of learned 
what a community needs. And we have to, we, we, uh, for myself, at least for sure, it's restructured what I believe to be like a, a neighborhood, right? Yeah. And, and just what you're talking about to have everything that you need within a close radius to you. So it's not a, a struggle to go and get the, the basic necessities of life. Right. You know, yeah. it's not, that's not uh, and, too and, much to ask. And it's more than just the physical things. What's mm. more important, I can get the guy to drop my groceries off at my door. Right. Right. But if I have no personal interaction all day, what is that? That's not yeah. living, right? right? And we want people to live their best life possible. Yeah. And it's not up to me or it's not up to you. They have to figure out what that looks like. And it might be auditing a class. It might be helping out inside Cohabit. Mm-hmm. That's one of the models we're thinking of. If you know to help pay the rent, well, maybe you go and collect the laundry, yeah. right? And do some sweat equity into it. Um, so we're, we're, we're thinking of all different possibilities. The nice thing is we don't have to, to pigeonhole it, right? We can figure right. out whatever we want to do it. Uh, it hasn't been done before in Manitoba at this point, is at it this a, level. Is it based on a, on a program from a different country? or Well, or, the, we've, we've taken little pieces, bits, yeah. little bits um, of things and just things that we want to see. And Well, my, my thing is, would I want to live there, right? You know, like I said, I want to have it a fraternity. We we're planning on putting in a bar so you can go and watch a Jets game. Right? Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Necessary. You know. Let's talk a little bit about stigma and sure. how I wanted to ask what the what the difference in societal stigma is um, in a mental disability versus a physical disability. Is there a difference? And I just wanted your perspective on that. So disability is disability in, in the way I look at the world, right? As I said, I have a physical disability. You can see me coming, good and bad, right? You can have an invisible disability, and that's even tougher, right? People make assumptions about people, oh, whether yeah. and we all have a built-in bias. And it's good and bad, and we have to overcome that. So I can't control, this is what I learned growing up, I can't control whatever people think. What I can do is surround myself with people that love me for who I am. And I've done that. And I let all the rest go. And it's actually a very healthy way of thinking. And it's taken me a while to get there. But that's what I can control. Now, SMD was a Society for Manitobans with Disabilities. Like the name, it very said exactly what. Now they've changed it to Manitoba Possible. Okay, they're trying to put a positive spin on it. I like it too. But, you know, back in the day, I can't, it was like the name was really bad. I can't even remember what it it said. But, you know, like language changes over time. Um, And I don't worry too much about language itself. What What I want is people to interact with me as a person first intention right exactly if you don't know ask i love it when like five-year-olds will walk up to me and say why do you walk funny i tell them and they go oh okay and walk away it's the parent that's grabbing their arm and is horrified that their kid's asking don't stare don't point yeah i I love that curiosity Mm -hmm. anybody just ask yeah right I love sharing my story. Um, I'm not, it's not a bad thing. Disability, you, first you need to, to figure out, you know, help people identify the issues, right? Then you have to build up allyship. And then you have to affect change. And it's slow and mm-hmm. it's hard. And we've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. I've been thinking a lot about, um, al- you mentioned the word allyship, and just like, do you spend your energy trying to convert those that disagree with you, or do you spend your energy trying to strengthen the bonds of those who are already allies, or th- you know, at least neutral at the very I, least? I've, I've never found that anybody's anti-disability, right, right. right? But you know what we need to get away from is not what I can't do, but what can I do? Let's change the conversation, right? And let's change it so that people don't look at folks with a disability as a liability. Mm. Let's say, what do I add to it? I had I, I was at a meeting the other day 
And this uh, indigenous leader talked about reconciliation. And she had a beautiful way of putting it that that was the gift. That my gift is my cerebral palsy. That it's made me a stronger person. It's given me a lot more empathy, right? And and it, it's it's my gift. Yeah. And if we can always think about that is the way to go. Um, you're always going to have people that don't that hate what they don't understand. And I I had it growing up. I can give you the kids' names who picked on me, right? Like, but on the other hand you have to build allyship you have to it it's hard changing the brain and the heart mm. right that's what that's what uh, any good ad person wants mm-hmm. to do when they get that magic right they do it well yeah. right and what i'm trying to do and what everybody wants to do is i tell my story and i want people to you know put themselves in my shoes for a minute because mm-hmm. guess what we're all going to be disabled at one point in our life i was born with it you might get god forbid get in a car accident break your leg or fall or skateboard accident you might be at a commission for six to eight weeks or it might be a week before you pass away but everybody's going to be disabled so we should create a world that is universally yeah. accepting right um you mentioned focusing on strengths and a strength-based mm-hmm. approach does that mean that our education system has to evolve to be more focused on strengths rather than trying to make everyone a, you know, good at everything. Well, type the of thing. government, good and bad. Um, I deal with government a lot. They like round holes and round pegs, right? They need to have rules and they don't, they can't, they have a hard time deviating from those rules. Mm-hmm. Creative solutions sometimes is not in their vac- vocabulary. And I understand why they need rules, right? And and uh, but you have to have a person first approach and a person centered. And everybody uses those languages, but it's very hard to implement across the board, mm-hmm. right? Just a little empathy and a little understanding. We we have a lot of low hanging fruit that we can deal with. Yeah, I like working with people more that have that attitude too. You know, that are yeah. like, yeah, let's figure it out, or maybe try this, and maybe not that necessarily, but try this instead. Or that's my whole life is motor planning, mm-hmm. right? Like I I pick up a lot of loose change because I'm always when I'm walking, I'm looking down to see where I'm going to step. I'm always trying to figure out, okay, how do I get in and out of that strange vehicle, or like I, I always have to, and sometimes I try a lot of different things before I succeed or decide it's not worth doing anymore. I did rock climbing, right? Because A, I'm terrified of heights, but I wanted to do it just to see if I could do it. Challenge. And I did it a couple times and then I was done. Um, my big passion when I was younger was paddling. I was on a dragon boat team. We were very successful. We won like the champion t- three times in the province. Nice. Because um, once they got me in the boat, I could keep up, right? They stuck me between the two biggest guys going, and and we Just went for her. it. But I've been I've traveled all around the world paddling kayaks, because once you got me in there, it was something I could do. Um, they there's a lot of things that can be easily modified with a little understanding. Uh, I gotta say, the world of sports, they're getting there, mm-hmm. right? I sold third world three-wheeled bikes for folks so we can get there it's yeah. just a little understanding i'm a big uh, video gamer and there's oh, yeah. a lot of work being done with ubisoft and like custom controllers yeah. and like being able to yeah. modulate things and yeah. like the, the the technology does exist if you put a little bit of thought into it yeah. and getting things going like that video games and comedy are two of my okay. favorite things and there's a few com- there's one on america's got talent right now cerebral palsy comedian I don't know if this is a thing or anything, but I've seen a few different comedians with that disability. And I'm wondering, it, there has to be something that, you know, living that life there, there just gives you a, cause you have a good sense of humor too, yeah. you know, like what, what do you think that is that just having that experience creates this sense of humor? How do you deal with something? <laughs> right. It's humor comedy. Right. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, humor is humor, right? Like, They'd probably be funny if they didn't have CP. That Mm. would be my guess, right? 
that's how they they deal with the world. When I was getting picked on in seven, eight, nine, um, I would laugh at the kid and walk away. Yeah. I couldn't fight them. I couldn't chase them. What else was I going to do? Mm-hmm. And it's a great defense yeah. because they look like an idiot. <laughs> like, come on, like laugh and you walk away. Yeah. Right. Powerful. It is. It is. Um, so. Talk to me a little bit about like your day to day, the life of an executive director. Like it's probably so, different every day. Yeah. You're taking meetings but like this, doing interviews. Like what, what's your I, month look like? I, I do, I do paperwork. I'm behind on my bookkeeping. <laughs> We've got a CP association is is hosting. Well, I've cut off the amount of tickets because I've run out. We've got 91 members going to the Gold Eyes game on the 13th. Beauty. Right? I think I've got most of the wheelchair accessible seats in the whole place. You know, every day is a little different. I was helping a member today who is going through some challenges with cancer. Mm. Right? And I was helping her and talking to her and answering questions. I Here's an interesting one. I was talking to a travel agent out of Halifax earlier today. She was looking for a wheelchair accessible hotel in Winnipeg, right? So I knew one um, that is good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it a lot of it is problem solving. The CP Association also, uh, we have two stationary bike races. Cool. Um, we have we have one out in Brandon. We have one in Winnipeg. The one in Winnipeg, we just had it May 13th. We raised $194,000 at it. Huge. Yeah. That's what pays my salary. That's what keeps the lights on. I don't, besides the odd grant from the Winnipeg Foundation, um, I don't get any government money. And uh, I have whatever I want to spend to support our members, I have to raise. And luckily... We've got a wonderful community that that's, has supported us and supported the members that they know and love. So the CP Association is turning 50 in 2024. Um, 50 years. Big is party. Big. We're, we're going to have several parties. Um, our bike race is turning 35 years. And it's 14 riders. Each rider rides for 25 minutes. They raise money, cool, and uh, it's a great thing. So when that's on, I'm busy with that. A lot of it is fun. I I'm on lots of different committees where I'm trying to change, move the needle, on different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and because if you don't ask, if you don't explain, if you don't educate, and if you don't complain, um, squeaky wheel, advocate, I guess yeah, is yeah. a better word. <laughs> Um, but you know, sometimes it's so blatantly stupid that you go, I'll tell you a really good quick story. I don't know what we have for time, but all the time in the world. Okay. Uh, a government official turned down a member for a weighted bowl and spoon, $80. The person was on EIA, right? And doesn't have an extra $80, right? Reasonable accommodation though. The government would pay for somebody to feed, sit there and feed the person, but with the weighted bowl and spoon, they could feed themselves. It's eighty bucks. So is it just a system reform issue? Then we need to like, just, or is it a per people issue? Like we need to both. get both. It's both empathy. You, yeah, empathy, understanding, giving giving the worker the flexibility to go outside that box a little bit. And if they went out the book and took a chance, they're not going to get slapped down and mm, and reprimanded. So, yeah, yeah, you've got to give them the the dignity to solve the problem. Mm. Also, they think it's their money, right? And and but what are the downward costs of that, and and the dignity benefit of that? You've got to look at all those things. What like you know? And yeah. we're we're talking. You know, going back and forth from a therapist to the reviewing agency on some equipment that's needed. Well, the person reviewing it in Winnipeg hasn't seen the person out in Brandon, mm-hmm. right? How do they make that determination? And guess what? The government's paying all three salaries, right? So they're paying the person to do the evaluation, to do the assessment. They're doing the, the thing to review it. 
and then to appeal it. So, you know, the waste within the system, a lot more could go to people. Redundancies in the system. Yeah. Um, Well, one of the tools you've enacted to sort of help with with some of those issues is the uh, agency fund at the Winnipeg yes. Foundation. I just I'm just curious your the impetus for that. How well, did that get started? So so this was during this happened during when I wasn't on the board in 2006. I did take a break because I was traveling for Freedom Concepts. But our bike race some years are very successful in regards to our budget, and other years not so. And we had a group of our parents. And board members that said, well, we've got, we had a really good savings account. And back in the day, the CRA didn't allow charities to collect money. Okay. Okay. They had to spend 80% of what they collected. So you couldn't build up a reserve. They've now since changed that rule, but that was the rule back in the mid 2000s. So the thing is, what do we do with this money? Well, we could spend it, right? And there was different propositions but we thought let's put it aside let's put it into a foundation and it's our medical research foundation Mm -hmm. and we have done grants in the past um, to look at different things and but it 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 will it definitely builds with 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 the help of the winnipeg foundation it ours is about a million two right now and that helps support the association so if our bike race goes bad and we don't collect any money. I know the association's going to stay around in some form. Somebody's going to answer the phone, and we'll rebuild. Stability. Right? That's right. Yeah. And it's the the that's the brilliant thing about the Winnipeg Foundation. You guys have been around for over a hundred years. We know your the lights are going to stay on, right? We know that when we need something, you're here, and you guys have been here for during the pandemic and and just creating the community connecting people and the wonderful thing about about the our uh, agency fund is i don't have to do anything <laughs> right like that's a pretty I, good I, I like the you know of that. i it gives us comfort so we can mm-hmm. take a chance on something else do an initiative that might make money or might not right. because we know we have this in our back pocket incredible um so the 13th tell us what's happening and uh let's get some people out so once every four years the government has an election and this is the time for folks everybody with a disability or if you've got a grandparent or anybody um to come out to the forks at uh on the 13th of july uh, the cn stage um we're kicking off the disability matter vote campaign it started in 2016 and we did it again in 2019 and this way we want to we want to tell the politicians what our five priorities are what's missing what they can do better what are they and challenge them to for them to come up to solutions for us and we want to tell them that disability matters and folks with disabilities are here they're in their community they're knocking on their door and we want to be counted. And the, there's 24 um, ridings in constituencies in Manitoba that, that were won by one party or another by a very small margin, less than the 24% of all Manitobans with a disability. And so those are the 24 ridings we're targeting, but we also challenge people if they want to be a champion, a, a constituency champion in their riding, and they want to go to that debate that that candidate has. Ask the question: What are you doing for disabilities? Why? How are you getting rid of the red tape? How are you getting more things in people's hands? Um, a good example is Manitoba Possible runs the wheelchair services, province-wide thing. It's paid through by Manitoba Health through the WHRA. They haven't had a significant increase in funding in over 11 years. Guess what? Populations are growing. Inflation is is, growing. Inflation is growing. The cost of the equipment itself is growing. Um, You have to go on a wait list to get a repair now. People are tired. (laughs) 
people are really tired of having to advocate, fight, appeal for the basic necessities and whatever that is, whether it's poverty, housing, all of our things. And government has a responsibility to its citizens mm. right across the board. Fundamental. Exactly. It's a human right. We're not looking for charity here. This is their job. They want the job. They want to get elected for this job. So my question to them is, what are you going to do about it? Because we're here and we're not going away. Love it. So we've got a rally. We've invited all the political parties. I think they've all said yes. I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. They all came the last two times because we're a pretty big constituency. And um, we have free ice cream. We have <laughs> T-shirts to, to uh, sell. You can make your own poster. And we also have uh, posters to take away and put in your lawn. And it is a province-wide. We are going to Zoom it. And so people can participate across Manitoba. And you can have a watch party. And we, we want to make this a, a truly Manitoba thing. Lovely. Beautiful. Well, my last question was going to be, what should journalists and concerned citizens be asking our politicians? But you already kind of said that. What are you going to do? Exactly. Yeah. And Within this context. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and I understand government. They have a lot of people coming to the table on them. We're an interest group. We're a very broad interest group. And the one thing about disability, it is a huge, huge thing, mm -hmm. right? I have a very relatively straightforward disability, right? It's physical. But you have intellectual disabilities. You have folks with mental health concerns that so many more psychiatrists are needed in this province. It's it's not even a joke. Yeah. Um, You've got folks that have conditions I've never even heard of. You've got folks that wayfinding. I went to a conference all about wayfinding. You know, like people put uh, labels on a glass door. Well, if you have poor vision, low mm -hmm. vision, there's no contrast. Right. Right. It might as well not be there. So the big question is you know, have that conversation with the person. What can you do to make their life just a little bit better? Beautiful. Um, so where can people go? It's July 13th. At what the time? For, at the Forks, the CN stage. Uh, go to dmvote.ca. And uh, yeah, and you can sign up to get our updates because we are going to have things during the campaign. This is just the launch. We're going to have five separate weeks for different... Um, of our priorities. So cool. every group is going to do that. The other thing I wanted to share that we're going to have is Manito Elections Manitoba is going to be there mm. to tell people learn how to vote. So we have a whole segment on the right to vote to educate people to say, hey, you have the right to vote. And how do you vote? And what are the rules around voting? And Elections Manitoba has, has been a really good partner because they want to get the word out too. And so the important thing is people need to vote. Yeah, get out. Right? And um, Beautiful. Yeah. So July 13th, 2023, 1.30 to 3.30 at the CN stage at the Forks. Uh, go to dmvote.ca for more information. So at the end of our time together, we do a little segment called Just Because. Okay. Where it's seven questions about the okay. causes you care about okay. and the effect that it has on your life. Okay, okay. to go through those? Sure. All righty. Question one. What is the very first cause you ever remember caring about? I think some of these questions are going to be yeah, a little redundant, yeah, but that's no, okay. No, we'll go no, no. So probably, probably education. Hmm. Um, I, you know, when I was growing up, I, I never quite thought I had a disability. I was never talked about and it was never, my mother still told me, Dave, it's your turn to take the garbage out. But I always, always struggled with math and I always struggled at a few subjects. Mm -hmm. I'm very smart, but there were certain things in school. Didn't and click. It, Just didn't right. click, yeah. And I, I was blessed with a couple really good teachers that got me through high school and got me and showed me my gift, right, to get me through university. I nearly dropped out of first year university because wow. nobody was telling me to go. And I kind of slacked off and I was on probationary right and wow. and then i realized you know what i'm paying a lot of money for this 
I better start to, and then I that I did okay, right? So, yeah, education is is really a cause that it, it starts everybody down the right path. And it's found that yeah. there's that word again, foundational. Yeah. Uh, question two: If money and politics and logistics were no issue at all, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen. What would you do in support of your cause? The start an adult disability center. Mm. They have the rehab center for children. They have no real center for adults across is, is the board. Is cohabit going to happen? No, 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 that's okay. a housing initiative. Okay, that's more. This, is, this is where I think where you could have a hub where everybody could go to, mm. right? Where you could get OTPT speech. You could get those recreationals. Like everybody kind of does it, but there's no one place to go. And I think that if, if I could do that, that would be the thing to do. So you could have folks with mental health go there and get support. You could have a you could build a community with a clinic, yeah. I guess. Central hub. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Very cool. Excuse me. Question three, what we, we talked about stigma quite a bit, but what's yep. the biggest misunderstanding or the biggest stigma about uh, CP? Uh, CP or disability. Or yeah, either I, or either. I, it, yeah, we can uh, we can open yeah, it up. Well, it, so CP is a diagnosis, and it really it needs to be more than a diagnosis. It should be based on need, right? And so that's the biggest thing. Like all the systems, they want to know what your diagnosis is. Well, that doesn't really matter. It's right? what I need. What do I need, or what can I do, and what do I need to make my life a little bit easier, mm. right? I don't need a Rolex. I need somebody to help me get out of bed in the morning. Right. Like so. So that's the biggest thing. And as long as people are open to understanding and using a little empathy, I think it's a much better world that we live in. Well said. Uh, question four: what's a recent victory, either personally or professionally, that you can share with us? I got two. If Let's I can do that, please. So the Bill C-22 was just passed. OK. And I was privileged to be asked to go to the Senate and testify. Um, on what I needed. So Bill C-22 is a Canadian disability benefit. And it's an income program for 18 to 64-year-olds. And one of my big worries was that the government of Manitoba would claw back. Mm. And I think there was some protections in there in the bill that was passed Um so that that but i also call on the government of manitoba to to vow not to claw it back and not to claw back all the other supports that they surround somebody with it it's more than just income um we've had a really bad reputation of when the federal government gives money for a program we claw back and i can give you the list but everybody knows the list they're all been in the in the news mm -hmm. so that was a bit of a victory that it passed now we just have to make sure the regulations are good and that the benefit is meaningful and big enough so that it will actually change lives the other victory that the cp association and i was lucky enough to be a part of is the locked out of life campaign so I, I challenge people to go to our website, lockedoutalife.com, and it, it tells a story of Tyson and Amelia, who are two members that have, they still actually have the complaint with the Human Rights Commission because they don't have all the supports that they had as kids. They were effectively cured at 18 and 21. Mm. I was cured at 16, by the way. I was discharged from the rehab center for children back in the day. Wow. And I wish I had kept that letter. Um, and I always tease the rehab center that they cured me at 16. But that's just the system works. Right. So the Locked Out of Life, we've now got a pilot project to figure out what's next and how do we solve those? How do we provide services for adults with disabilities? Invisible, real. And it's a very complex thing. And how do we change the mindset of government is how do we, how do we make it a whole person system right. as opposed to the round peg round hole that's right thing again. that's right yeah. so that's another thing that that we spent a lot of time and i got to give a shout out to the public interest law center that really helped lead the charge and to amelia and tyson for being the complainants who brought it forward and uh were willing to stick it out it was seven years and we're still or eight years at this point and we're still going and it still isn't solved for someone like me who is not 
mean, I try to be patient, but how do you stay vigilant fighting these fights for your entire life? You need to see progress. Mm. It's tough to see progress. I, I was in a meeting one day where not many people showed up and there was a few of us. This was during the height of the pandemic and we were on Zoom and I said, you know what, if we weren't working it so hard, it'd probably go backwards. Right. Sometimes keeping the status quo is just as important as growing, mm. right? Unfortunately, we have this thing called inflation and you know, so we always have to keep growing it. But it's also changing the attitudinal things. I'm always thinking about not me. I'm I'm a person of privilege. I'm, I'm, I'm paid well. My wife is a teacher. She's paid well. We're doing okay, right? Um, I'm trying to help those in the next generation so they can do well. And those folks that that need a little help telling their story mm. and it's it's again uh i've got the time and the energy to do it other folks are just trying to survive mm. and you know it's their story and it's not my story and i need to we just need to slowly change i i'll tell you a good analogy i told the board when they hired me i'll change things 10 percent a year okay i can't do much more than that yeah and just five years, it's half. Ten years, we've changed it 100%. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes you try stuff and it doesn't work. That's just as valuable sometimes when it does work. Or sometimes more right? so because you learn. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I learned, every, I learned more in school when I failed the course because <laughs> I failed quite a few. And you remember, few. you remember those. I remember. Yeah. And most of the time, it's because I didn't do the work. Mm. Right? And that's something I learned over time is if you do the work, you get the outcome. You just can never say when you're going to get the outcome. And so, yeah, it's important to do the work. That's yeah. good advice. Uh, question five, keeping on the advice train, is what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I, it was from my grandfather who told me, David, there's two ways to make a living in this world. One is with your mind and one with your body. And guess what? You're never going to make make any money with that body. So you better work on your brain. And so going to school, and that's why I said, you know, school was really important. And having those one or two teachers that I could cling to and that really showed me the potential of David, right? And if everybody can find a mentor, a family member, a teacher, coworker, whomever, that can show them their potential because um, sometimes you don't trust yourself for sure. And it, it, that is a real gift. Yeah. Unlocking potential is a priceless gift. Yeah. Really. For yeah. sure. Uh, so staying on the advice train, yeah. what advice would you give your 10 year old self? If you could go back in time and talk to him, have more fun. Hmm. Um, I had a lot of fun as a kid and uh, I need to, I work too hard now and that's on me. Because I like to say yes to people, and I see, oh, there's another thing, and I, and and uh, in talking with my wife, that's my next five year goal, is to start having taking, fun, taking more time for fun, yeah. for myself. Beautiful. That's yeah. good advice for anyone of yeah. any age, for sure. Yeah. Uh, last question: What do you want to be remembered for? Being a kind, responsible person that cared. Good answer. Yeah. So I'll see you on the 13th. Yep. Again, that website is dmvote.ca. July 13th, we're going to the Forks, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at the CN Stage and Field. Rain or shine, come on down. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell the people just, of Winnipeg? Just tell whoever shows up that Dave sent you. Dave sent you. I love it. dmvote.ca, cohabit.ca, both great websites. Go check them out. Learn more. Uh, David, thank you so much and, for being here. And if I could just... You can edit this in uh, the Cerebral Palsy Association of Manitoba, our main website too. And that's cerebralpalsy.mb.ca. Beautiful. Yeah. David, thank you for telling your story. Thank, thank you for you. being us here today and we'll see you on the 13th. Okay. Thank you very much.
Thank you again to David Crone for the conversation today. Uh, as mentioned, there's an event happening July 13th down at the Forks. So please come on down and show support. We'll be there. Uh, so yeah, come say hi. All music on the show is produced and composed by Trenton Burton. You can hear more of his music by searching Trenton Burton on Spotify. The Cause and Effect podcast is a podcast of the Winnipeg Foundation. You can learn more about the foundation by visiting wpgfdn.org or by following at WPGFDN on all social media platforms. I'm at Nolan Bicknell on all socials. Thank you so much for listening to Because and Effect. We'll be back with another episode next week. Take care of yourself and each other. And remember, a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. Bye-bye.